0: <clears throat> what's up six guys this is christian from Afro Beats. just calling in the show um some appreciation i really feel like your talks i'm listening to the uh the bill cosby segment right now your talks really uh really make me think and sometimes it's not always what i want to hear but sometimes it's what i need to hear so i appreciate you keep doing your thing i'm going to keep listening talk to you later um. peace This is episode 58 of African and American with your girl Six the Goddess. And keep in mind I'm a goddess and I'm sensitive about my shift. Peace and love family. I hope you're doing well. Family and I are doing well. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, okay? And I appreciate that, okay? And I just want to say thank you, all right? Um, if you haven't already, uh, I need you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, write a review, good or bad. Don't mean me. No, never mind. It is all appreciated. So if you could help us out and go ahead and, um, you know, just do those few things for me. I don't ask for much. OK, That I mean, that's it. That's that's all I need. OK, I'm done after that um, this week. I want to talk... Well, I I want to talk about this for a while. Um, Which is... I'm taking my earrings off right now. That's how you know I'm ready to dive into this episode. Like, when a woman take her earrings off, she means business in whatever way, okay? When you see them earrings come off, when a woman take them earrings off, get ready, all right? Um... I do want to discuss black mama trauma. Um, Black mama trauma is way more common than we know. I want to say that black mama trauma has to be one of our most widespread issues. But in that same breath, it has to also be one of our main issues that we never talk about. We've discussed trauma by our mothers in a few of these episodes. Uh, We have not discussed it as much as I would want to. Um, Again, I I really want to make sure I remain focused on this show and its original purpose when it started, which was a real deal Um, kind of documenting of a growth and healing process of, you know, just a regular girl here in America, African in America, you know, just living my life through my perspective, you know, just sharing my perspective and seeing who it stuck to and who it didn't or who could relate and who couldn't, you know, and and just, you know, documenting real life observances, issues, events, um, you know, and, and the sole purpose, the main thing for us to be journeying towards on this show, which is to be better people and not just better people, but better black people, how to love ourselves, how to live uh, in unison with one another. These were uh, my goals for this show and still are. So um, discussing black mama trauma And here I have to go with the disclaimers because y'all know how people get, okay? Me saying black mama trauma is in no way, shape, or form. Me saying that black fathers do not also cause trauma, Okay, my God, let me just say that because there will be the few that are will be like, well, uh, you know, it's not just black mamas with issues, black dads too. I understand that. But the traumas are different. They affect us differently. They look different. They are different. So they have to be two separate discussions for the most part. Does black mother and father trauma share some similarities? Yes, they do. Um, but they both are different. Not saying that one is worse than the other. Not saying one is better than the other, but that's just the reality. So today we're talking about black mama trauma. Again, not taking anything from black dad trauma yes it's a thing I understand that but this is just a talking point point. and I'm sorry for these disclaimers you guys but unfortunately I have to give them and the crazy part is even once I give them I will still have people coming and speaking on the exact thing I gave disclaimers about <coughs> whoa excuse me <laughs> that came from my soul like whoa okay my bad, y'all. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, that's life. Sometimes we sneeze, okay? I'm really sorry about that. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, that's where we're at. But I do want to talk about that in the latter part of the show. This first part of the show, I want to um, just have a little talk real quick. Because I think we had a few misunderstandings um, in uh, something that I said... Um, a few days ago, I, I was addressing Oprah and Gail. I was addressing Oprah and Gail and what some took as in defense of Kobe Bryant. Um, I did make the statement that, uh, Oprah and Gail are a disappointment for so many of us because, They have very large platforms, and they're going to be in the position of power to influence the youth way before regular people like you and me would be. Um, What I said was that I feel like their actions make turning on your own people and bring your own people down look lucrative. Um... What I said was because they are building wealth off of tearing down their people, they're going to inspire other people to do the same thing. They are doing nothing in any way, shape, or form to be any type of positive influence towards uh, real Black family empowerment, as we can see, because neither one of them are married or ever had any children. Um, Unfortunately, that does tell you a lot about where someone's head is at. these are women who have done nothing to positively uh, affect um, the unity of our people in any way, shape, or form. They are simple tools and pawns used in the game of white supremacy to tear down our own people because white people got smart and were like, okay, so, you know, we can't be the ones to go in and tear these people down. What we need to do is send one of their own people in. So that we can just gaslight them and blame them for everything that happens to them and say, "Well, you know it's your own people doing this to each other. It's the world's greatest cop out and most successful cop out because it works um, you know and and that's just where we are um, i i'm i i love I'm not going to say that." Uh, The post was not to at all include Gail's statements towards Kobe. Um, I think it's just something that was on our minds. Um, This is kind of where people's focus is at. And sometimes um, it's best to go where people's focus already is uh, and kind of grab their attention and send messages or learn from each other there as opposed to having to bring people into a, uh, your choice of a focus. So if the focus is on Gail, Oprah, the focus is on Kobe, like sometimes it's best to meet people there so that we can remember the bigger picture, which is remember who they are influencing. You know, remember that there is youth coming up after us that when we're old and can't wipe our butts anymore, they will be in control. And we have to remember that we'll be leaving our fate to these people and that we have to be careful with how people like oprah and gail are glorified because they make it look like well look what happens when you say f your people and turn your back on them and do whatever to destroy them and hide behind a job to do it you know and we are poor as hell compared to oprah so the youth are gonna be like shoot i'm not listening to y'all broke ass I'm, i'm i'm rolling with what auntie oprah said You know, remembering that that should be our biggest concern here, um, is, was my focus in that post. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not to take anything away from Kobe. I just wanted to make it be clear that he is not the sole reason, uh, behind why Gail is wrong. Gail is not wrong. Because of what she said about Kobe. What she said about Kobe is part of a bigger ploy that has plagued black men, black people in general. You know, with these typical black guy, white girl, cry rape scenarios that we've seen a thousand times. You know, you placate into that. Okay, it's uh, it's not necessarily about Kobe. Kobe's legacy is what it is. He is the man that he is. Um, we can't take away from the fact that he affected people's lives um, so positively. Uh, We cannot take away from the fact that, you know, grown men were brought to tears um, at the the news of this man passing. When how many of you, when you die, people, you know, the max they're going to give you is a damn that's crazy or a man that's sad you know, but to have a man bring people into such emotion, which proves right there that this man touched lives, the amount of black, young black boys that he inspired. um, We cannot ever take that away from him. We simply can't. Uh, However, um, you know, it's a tragedy uh, as to who his legacy is left to. It, It just you know times like this really shows what marriage is all about the, when someone passes away is when you really realize the power of marriage and what that means and you really realize the power of marriage is that wow this person inherits your whole legacy once you die you know you're dead that's it you know there's no more work that you can do on this earth so when that happens the person that you marry is the one that this legacy goes to. That has to be the most powerful. Everything That means everything that you work for in your life will be in this person's hands at some point. That's got to be the most powerful and empowering thing ever. I mean, what can be more powerful than that? You know, and, and it's not into the hands of your own people. And and that is a tragedy. Um Does it take away from him as an athlete? No. Uh, Like I said, does it take away from young black boys that he inspired, such as my son? Yes. You know, however, uh, it it is unfortunate that, you know, in people like my son, I have to, you know, say, well, you know, it's cool that you want to be like him and look up to him. But then he got to look up to him and see that, well, he's not, you know, with a woman that looks like my mom. You know, and that's, that's saddening. Again, when we talk about the power of influence and the influence it has over the youth. Um, when we talk about marriage and we paint marriage to be a fairy tale or something that is based about just love and unicorns and ponies. No, it's, it's not until things get real and people start to die. Things get left to people. Legacies get left to people. That's when we really realize, wow, how powerful marriage is. And for us as black people to work our butts off our whole lives, to build legacies, to not leave to our own community is, is saddening. It's, 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 unfortunate. Whatever has happened has happened. Um, you know, there's nothing we can do to change it, but, you know, we can definitely take everything that happens as a learning opportunity to look at the power in our life's decisions and how those decisions even affect ourselves our children and our people even after we leave this earth and that is what legacy is all about um I think this is why it is very important especially for us sisters Uh, I think we all have observed that there are a few things that we have not tried as a people and one of the things that we have not tried as a people is Uh, more action from the women I think that we have taken the back seat uh, for a long time where it matters Uh, I think we take the front seat where we shouldn't when it comes to bearing burden and being everyone's mother and saving the world like we take the front seat when it comes to stuff like that uh, but we really need to take the front seat more so in uh, the healing of our people the nurturing of our people the um, the example setting in our people, the uplifting of our people, uh, because since we are the blood of our people, when they want to send someone to destroy our people, they will send one of us sisters. And and it, and I'm it's sad. It's a lot of pressure for us to to bear, but it is the truth. When they want to destroy a people, they're going to send the virus to the bloodstream. That is the quickest way to distribute. Anything negative or anything destructive to a people, to a person through the blood. The women are the blood of the people. So you want to poison the people, you poison, you put a poisonous woman in the mix. And that's why, sisters, we cannot afford to let ourselves be used like the Oprah's and Gales have. We just cannot allow ourselves to be pawns to that degree. We have to be responsible with the power that we have within our people. If we know that we are the blood of our people, that means that we have to be responsible and we have an obligation to make sure that we use that in a positive way. We cannot be for self and be so selfish as to say, well, this is what I want or you ain't paying my bills and this is what me, 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 I, I, I. Uh, it's, it's extremely selfish. Yes, you know, we should all have self-care. And yes, everyone should look out, you know, for their well-being. I'm not taking anything away from that. But what I am saying is that it does have to be bigger than you. What I am saying is that we do have to be responsible with the power that we have, sisters. And again, the Oprah's and the Gayle's, uh, we have to work to counteract that. Are we just regular people in a big world? Yes, we are. But the truth is that if we can unite as a people, can I do this by myself? No. Can the sister listening to this do this by herself? No. Can we work against every single negative stereotype that is set against us as black women by ourselves? No. But if we work together as a collective to set this example, you know, and and that's why I say sometimes it's good to do certain things for the gram because the youth is on the gram. And sometimes unless we post our own positive images as being black women that are uplifting to their people, a lot of the youth won't ever see it. A lot of young girls may go their whole life and never see a, a sister that's feminine and is for her people and wants to uplift her people. She can very easily go through her whole life and never see that. So it's low key and obligation of ours as black women to if we understand the uh, the um, the power of representation, if we have to put that obligation upon ourselves to be the representation for the younger girls to say, OK, that is a vision of what I want to be like. You know, as sisters, that's why it's so important for us to flourish, not just to live, not just to to be strong and make it through day by day, but for us to really flourish and to really be happy in the decisions that we make. Not just say, oh, well, I guess I have to do this to be an example, but to really want to do that. OK, and until the next generation sees us happy and flourishing with where we're at, they're never going to necessarily believe that that's the way to go. If they see you miserable and being who you are, that's not going to make them want to be that way. You know, that's why I, a part of the reason why I started the Fit Fine Feminine Movement. Not only do we need to be sound in our minds, but in our bodies, too. We need to look good, too. You have me messed up. Yeah, it's cool. Being a smart woman, being an intelligent woman, uh being a woman of substance, that's great. But don't get it twisted. You need to be fine too. You need to take care of yourself too, sister. You need to put some effort into yourself too. You know, don't don't think it it's not it's not all about the body, it's not all about about the mind. But it is a balance of a collective of things. You know, as black women, we have to compartmentalize things. We have to be multifaceted it's it's not just one thing it's not all about being beautiful and sexy and then being a dodo bird it's not all about being super smart but then being totally drab in how you present yourself physically you know i mean it's not just one or the other but it is both you know and so when the younger sisters look and say okay this is sister that look good she's smart you know, she's for her people. She never have to bed or sell out or turn against her people to be successful. These are the images we need to show our daughters. We need to show our daughters images of black family being black wives, being black mothers, setting feminine standards for ourselves, embracing who we are as women, embracing our role as women, embracing our strength as women. And at the same time, embracing our softness as women. They have to see it to believe it. Especially when we have the Oprah's and the Gales out there putting in that overtime work with 24-hour systems and platforms that are set to program our girls to be and do the total opposite of everything I just said. Okay, that is what I meant when I bring up Oprah and Gail's name. Okay, this is not in defense of one man, regardless of the who he was. This is never about one of us. It, we should never be so, uh, quote unquote, sometimes we misinterpret the term focus. Um, focus is a very good thing to have. However, we cannot be so focused on only what we want. That we lose sight of the bigger picture of what we do, our choices, and how they affect our people, and how they affect our people that haven't even been born yet, children, grandchildren we haven't even had yet, and how our decisions outlive us. Um, uh, it's a big deal. That is the message I wanted to convey. I want to be, I want to make sure that we're very clear on this show, you know, Um, I don't like to have gray areas. I like to be very clear in where I stand and what I mean. So we don't have any interpretations. I don't necessarily want things to be interpreted. I really want to mean what I say. You know what I mean? Um, So in this next uh, segment, we are going to go ahead and get into Black Mama trauma. So pour yourself something to drink, get you a snack, sit down, get ready. Because I'm rolling my sleeves up as we speak. now it is time to talk about black mama trauma now as you all know um well you should know by now okay is that i am currently writing a book um well i'm writing two books but one is coming out before the other um it is called the black women's ultimate guide to reclaiming femininity It is a story of my feminine journey, um, my feminine testimony. Um, It is instructional on uh, how to, just like the title says, how to reclaim your femininity. um, How to get back to your birthright to be womanly. Um, And I think... That the book is going to change lives. Um, A huge part of the book. Is a very open. And very honest. um, Conversation. About my own. um, Feminine testimony. And that feminine testimony. In that feminine testimony. A big part of that is discussing our mothers. Um, A big part, whether you're on a journey to femininity or if you are on a journey to your masculinity and manhood as a man, observing and studying your relationship with your parent of the same sex is going to be imperative to your healing. Sometimes we like to feel like, oh well, that's in the past, or you know, that's been happened, that's not happening anymore. But unfortunately, a big part of healing and moving forward is looking backwards. We have to really look at and observe where we came from if we expect to be able to move forward. So I have an entire chapter in my book dedicated to um, my own testimony in regards to the women in my family, my mother, um, how she was, my relationship with her, um, generational womanly trauma in my family. I'm addressing all of that because as unique as our stories feel to us, there is someone out there that has either almost the same or ballpark the same story as you do and there is so much power in really being honest and telling our stories and paying that strength forward so that others can learn from our situation and even just knowing that you're not alone is healing enough. Sometimes we go through things and we think we're the only ones going through it and we think that we're totally by ourselves and what's going on. And uh it can be it can be uh disheartening when you feel like everyone else is okay and I'm the only one going through something. And that's why we created this safe space on this show to be honest and to be able to say, you know what? Um to be able to say you know what Um, I'm not concerned about how things look I'm concerned about how things really are and opening up and kind of breaking out of those um, unspoken black people stigma that says we're not allowed to be upset or hurt or cry or complain in any way uh, I think that as black people we are looked at as strong so much to where even if we really do have an issue or problem or concern it's taken so lightly because of who we are and people truly feel like oh you'll be all right and um the more you ignore pain and the more you ignore an issue the worse it gets like you don't get to ignore a problem and it just goes away that is never how it works when you ignore an issue, it grows, it gets worse, and it will eventually get so bad to the point where, uh, you know, you just can't ignore it anymore. Um, and so I wanted to speak this segment on Black Mama trauma because it doesn't, it's not some, uh, Black Mama trauma is not something that only affects sisters. Um, there are men who are affected by black mama trauma as well um so in this session we're going to really or in this segment i'm sorry we're going to really focus uh focus on it why it's relevant to us um so for those of you that don't know i do speak about my mother a lot um i want to be very clear like black women make the best mothers let me say this first Um, black women are the mothers of the earth and universe. Black women are naturally nurturing and attentive to babies and children. Um, black mamas, in my opinion, are top notch when it comes to mothering abilities in this world, which is why. You know, they would rip our own children from our arms and put their children in our arms and put their children on our breasts, because even they know the power in the, the, the power of the mothering ability that black women have. Um, so I want to start out by saying that. I want to say that uh, I feel like majority of black women for the most part just in general without digging too deep in general will tell you that they love their mothers would do anything for their mothers you know and that's that um and that's the reality uh, this is not a a segment to bash black women or bash black mothers or say, see, black women make the worst moms, or make the worst. wives. It's it's not for that. Um, I want to make that very clear. So, you know, don't come don't come bringing that energy over here, okay? Cause I'll beat your ass, okay? Don't play with me. <laughs> um. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start with the most common black mama trauma. Um. In my opinion, based off of what I see majority of the time, the number one black mama trauma issue that we have is lack of accountability. There is this stigma that goes around that is like, well, it's still your mom or, well, that's still your dad or, well, that's still your sister or something like that. Now, I'll tell you, in a minute that family is the most important thing we have family is everything Uh, we are nothing without our families period Uh, we should be very forgiving towards our families we should always be willing to put the work forgiveness or whatever it takes into keeping our families together and healed and moving in purpose however you know if we're just being realistic it is unrealistic to say that that is going to be the case blanket across all black families. The truth is, you will have some people where even if they are your family, they toxic AF, they liabilities AF, and detrimental AF. And if you have to separate yourself from family that is a harm to you. Now, I'm not saying having one little stubborn fight and... You know, being stubborn and hard-headed and holding petty grudges. I'm not saying that. I am saying that if your relationship with a a toxic family member is to the point where it is physically, mentally, or emotionally harmful for you to be involved, it's time to get the scissors out. It's time to make some cuts. What if I told you that you can even cut a family member off while still loving them? Okay, you can have a family member and say, I love this person with everything in me, but I just cannot deal with you. That's okay. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know that's okay, right? Um, You're not breaking any laws By doing that, all right. So, even if it's our mother, I want to preface this by saying if a relationship with your mother is harming you, even though that is your mom, it is okay to say, I love you, mom, but you are harmful to me, and I cannot carry on a relationship with you. Now, sometimes this may even cause your mother to really wake up. To the extent that her actions are harming you and it can make her step her game up or make necessary changes. And if if and when that happens, that's great. Um, But there's also a chance that it won't. Um, Because like I said, there is this stigma that says you cannot like holding black mothers accountable is like a hateful thing somehow. And I do understand that a lot of our mothers have been through hell and back. You know, I'm never here to downplay the pain of our mothers. I'm 100% realistic in understanding, yes, um, there are some of our mothers that went through a lot, uh, went through a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, and I totally understand that. Um, However, we can't live there. Uh, I think it's very important to be understanding to our mothers and why they may or may not take certain actions or why they do certain things that they do. I think understanding the why behind why someone does something uh, is extremely comforting in their actions to you. And I will use my own life and my own relationship with my own mother as an example for you. Um, my mother was a very beautiful woman named Isla Nelson. My mother was an artist. Um, if, if you've been a fan of the show, you know this, but newer people, um, that just joined our family may not know this. So, for all the OGs, I know you already know this, but you know, we have to make sure that everyone, you know, is getting caught up. So, just bear with me. Um, My mother was a very beautiful woman named Isla Nelson. She was an artist. Um, She had me and my younger brother. I have a younger brother named Eric. My brother is 20. So I'm 20. I'm 30. So my brother's like 27 years old. We have a three. Oh, my brother's actually my brother's birthday is next month. We have a three year gap most of the time and then when March comes around he and he has a birthday then we're three years apart and then my birthday comes around in September and then we're four years apart so we're three four years apart um my brother and I so my mother had two children um when I was eight years old my mother was diagnosed with diagnosed with stage three breast cancer uh, which almost killed her. Um, she was able to go into treatment and eventually go into remission. Now the cancer did uh, come back and then go into remission and come back and go into remission for 10 years uh, before enough was enough. And it did eventually take her life. Um, but again, I'm telling you that in order for what I'm about to say to make sense to you. Um my mom was a single mom. Uh, and there's a lot of us that can say that, unfortunately. Um, and, and why is that? Uh, I think single parenting is very common amongst uh, parents in my generation. Uh, if you're in my generation, having a single mom is actually extremely common for us. Um, for our parents' generation, having two parents was the commonplace uh, for their children, which is my generation, single parent households was common because when our parents were growing up as young people, that was in the crack era. That was when they had introduced cracks to our neighborhoods. And, um, that was really a huge tool in breaking apart black families. um, It was also when the feminist movement really started going hard and went live. So you combined a crack era with the feminist movement and before you knew it you had a bunch of broken families with a bunch of women that thought they were too strong and super badass and didn't need a man. That got to be the most horrible combination of things to happen at once. Um, And why is this information important to discuss? Because it allows you to understand the climate that your parents were raised in. When you understand the climate that your parents were raised in, you cut them a break a little bit. Because we have to remember that our parents are not perfect just because they became parents did not mean that they were just healed and saints and perfect after that. Just because they became parents doesn't mean they had healed from all their traumas. And our parents came before the age of information. Okay. They didn't have podcasts and social media to share our feelings and share our experiences and heal with people that have been through things similar to the way you did. They didn't have any of that. So if we just be understanding to that, it, it is a huge root of why a lot of our parents were the way that they are they didn't know that cocaine took over your body and brain and ruined your life all right they didn't know uh what it did a lot of them grew up with a man and a woman in the house they had never really experienced a single parent household uh many of them did not so they didn't understand the importance necessarily of um having a man and a woman under the same roof this is when women like I said the feminist movement was going on at the same time so now the men are out there selling crack and the women are out there on the crack and it it was a mess you know for those of you that have parents um and those of you in my generation that have parents that made it through those eras without any Drugs or broken families or anything like that, kudos to you and your family. And you guys are a special breed, okay? Because a lot of us and our families came to all the self hatred and drug use and issues, okay? And my family included. So if you're, if you do, if you are in my generation and your parents never went through any of that, kudos. Because that means they dodged like 20 bullets lined up to hit them. There was like. So many things going on then to discourage any kind of healthy black family structure. So if your family was able to make it through that, you guys are serious goats because shit went really left in our parents' generation, okay? Things was going just fine. We had man and a woman in the house. We had strong black marriages moving and grooving, okay? We had our own businesses, and then boom, it was like crap, feminism, and it was like, ah. You know, and uh, it it just went left from there. So a a big part of my healing was saying, okay, I got to look at the reality of how my parents became the way they are. Now, what is very interesting about my family situation is that my mother's mother is the epitome I mean, in the dictionary under a black feminine woman is my grandmother's photo. My grandmother was the personification of class and elegance and black femininity, if I have ever saw it. As a child, I didn't really appreciate the fact that my grandma was the goat because it just was a normal thing to me, like seeing... How she was. I thought that was just her being a normal granny. I had no idea the feminine and divine grace of my grandmother. Annie Lee Nelson. Who is now an ancestor. Um, That I am sure that she is a huge guiding force in my feminine journey. Because like I said. That woman right there. I, I just. I stand my grandmother. I stand Annie Lee Nelson. Because She is everything that i am working so hard to be as a woman now. So um with that being said, it was when as an adult now that hindsight is 2020 and i look back on my mother and how she was i i get a little bit of confusion because i'm like how did you come from this most feminine woman and then you turned out a thug because i'm going to tell y'all right now i love my mother god only knows how much i love my mother but i would be a mf and lie if i sat here and told you that my mom was a feminine woman i would be a mf and lie to sit here and tell you all that my mama was not gangster okay um I think all women should have a certain gangster side in them where in the event that they are where they do have to protect or defend themselves, you're not just going to like roll over and die, but I think you have to um as a black feminine woman, I believe you have to control your thug life ways. <laughs> now my mama was such a gangster. There was no compartment remember I spoke earlier about how as feminine women we really have to compartmentalize our womanhood and our femininity um that's what I mean my mother did not do that she was a thug 24 7 okay <laughs> she was a thug in the morning she was a thug at night anybody that messed with her like it I mean there, there was no messing with this woman okay this woman was strong um I remember my mom being involved with only two men my entire 18 years of life. And with both of them, my only memories are of her cursing them out. I'm talking about going off on them, throwing things at them, being all up in their face, all that. Like that is what I remember when I reflect on seeing a man and a woman interact at all in my childhood the only time I saw my mom interacting with a man was if she was cursing his ass out okay never ever saw my mom be feminine or sweet with a man ever um now what happens with that is you end up with someone that's imbalanced Like, by now, we have to know and we have to accept that we need each other as black man and woman. There's no way around that. If you are a black man without a black woman, you're incomplete and you are imbalanced. And if you are a black woman without a black man, you are incomplete and you are imbalanced. We can fight this all we want. We can get upset. We can cry about it. It does not change the fact that that's just what it is. Okay? Okay um so for so many of us even as my mom her being a single mom she was incomplete she was imbalanced and what happens when we are incomplete and imbalanced is we get angry we get frustrated we get fed up we get upset we get mad and we can sabotage ourselves Or we can sabotage people closest to us. And unfortunately, when you are a child in a single parent household, nine times out of 10, the one that is closest to the parent is the children. And before you know it, the children have become the tool to relieve that parent of all frustration and transgressions that they're experiencing. Where even small things that are, you know, normal behavior for a child can warrant uh, beatings and whoopings and screaming and yelling uh, because that parent is imbalanced. You know, they're so stressed out trying to do the job of multiple people in one that they don't even have the tolerance for their children just being children. Um. And it's extremely sad to see, uh, see that happen. Um, if right now I had to put a large group of black women in a room and I said, I want you to raise your hand if one of these applied to you. Um, these are the top things from what I have observed that too many black women suffer from at the hands of their mothers. Uh, The most common one, in my opinion, is physical abuse. A lot of us, I think, don't even really realize that we were abused as children. Because we come from the butt whooping era. Almost all of us got our butts whooped. And it just became a normal thing to us. I don't think that we understand that a lot of those ass whoopings that we got were not out of love, discipline, or anything like that. They were that out of frustration and madness and sadness and brokenness. But again, if, if everyone around you is being abused, you think that that is the norm. So if everyone's getting their ass whooped in your mind, it's okay. So when when we have um, so if you have a mother that um, you know, physically put their hands on you or beat you beyond reasonable force for someone who is a believer in corporal punishment raise your hand i know i'm raising mine if you had a mother that promoted sexual promiscuity in exchange for money or um chose men over you or allowed you to be molested or raped or Allowed you to be exposed to her rapes or molestation or anything like that. Raise your hand. How many going to raise their hand? How many of your mothers discouraged healthy relationships with the man that you had, including even possibly their relationship with your father? Because she never found true love or a healthy relationship. Raise your hand. How many of your mothers never achieved their dreams, never got to where they truly wanted to be in their lives, and instead of putting work into you to make sure that you do get to make it where you want to be in your life, they instead discouraged and broke you down on achieving your own dreams. Raise your hand. Now, if you've never, if you have a parent where you've never experienced any of this at the hand of that parent, that's fine. You know, but in this instance, you got to speak for yourself because there's a lot of sisters who can't say that. There's a lot of sisters who cannot say, oh, I can't raise my hand to any of those. It's just too common. And not everyone may talk about it or be completely honest about it. But the truth is, it's more common than we know. And so what happens What happens when we deal with that from a parent? How does that affect us into our adult life? Um, if I use myself for the example again, me having a mother that was super, um, uh, I want to say very snappy and impatient with me, um, it caused me to really second guess myself in my adult life. Um, it caused me to constantly be in, be in a state of rushing or worry. Because I had one in mom's where, if, you know, if you, if you drop something or made a mistake, like again, she was always so frustrated because she was so sick and so overworked and overwhelmed and imbalanced and all of those things. You know, me doing something very small would totally cause a huge blow up from her. And cause her to scream and yell at me. I I have direct memories of having anxiety attacks as a child where I would get nauseous, throw up and get sick because I was constantly in a state of panic because it was like, okay, I can't mess up. Or mom's going to get upset and I'm going to stress her out. And if I stress her out, she's going to get even more sick. I didn't know what day she was going to be alive or what day she was going to die. One day she was fine. Next day she was passed out. Next day she was in the hospital. I never knew what it was going to be. I never knew day to day if my mom was going to be alive. What this caused in me was anxiety issues that I still to this day suffer from this is something that really tears me apart is when we have to really be easy on ourselves and realize that we are human. And there are things that we experience as children that will affect us into adulthood. And, And and it will take some time to heal. If it took me 30 years to get this way, the reality is it could take 30 years to heal that way. I could be 60 years old before I heal from my anxiety. I don't know. But I just let myself know that my trauma is valid and I give myself room to grow and to heal, you know, and is my anxiety getting better? Absolutely. Would it have gotten better unless I would have faced these demons and started taking the healing steps I needed to take? No, it would not. Was it all worth it in the end? Yes. Is it scary having to realize that you have certain behaviors or issues as an adult that stem from childhood trauma? Yes. It's painful. Uh, it's, it's painful to realize, man, this happened to me and it really messed me up. But the quicker that you're able to admit that, you know, that's why fake positivity all the time is such a destructive thing. Forget that fake positivity all the time. It's okay to say, I'm hurt. I'm messed up. This, this really affected me and I need to be patient with myself and take steps to heal. That is okay. I want everyone to know that's all right. It's really sad when it's like the best that you can do to say that something is all right is to be like, well, you're alive. Well, you could be dead. Um, I don't want the fact that I could be dead to be, well, it's not so bad. I mean, you could be dead. That's not, <laughs> that's not comforting to me. Uh, no. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? People kill me when they say that. Like, well, you should be grateful because you could not be here. Uh, if being dead is the next best thing to my situation, I'm not okay with that. And you can miss me with that fake positivity. Okay? I'm super good on that. And I don't have time for that. You keep that to yourself. <laughs> um, so it, it caused me to be afraid to make simple mistakes. So what it does is it makes you afraid to try. Uh, It makes you afraid to explore, you know, because in the back of your mind, you still hear that parent's voice ringing in the back of your head and and it will affect you as an adult. And the quicker that we understand that and grow from it, we can, I don't I don't even want to say move past it because everything that happens to us shapes us into who we are. And moving past that is really moving past who we are as people. I would say you'll just get to the point where you appreciate it. You realize it is what it is. It was what it was. And you let it make you a better person. You let it show you the things, you know, that you don't want your children to experience or be exposed to. And you allow yourself to make it better. Um, you have sisters who um, you know were raped or molested by someone and the mother is way too concerned about keeping the man around or keeping peace or something like that that they don't protect their daughter so what that will make you do as a woman is that can make you grow up to be very distrusting and resentful towards other women not even just your mom Um, It can even make you be very resentful towards yourself because you in some way will blame yourself and think that you were not worthy of being protected, which that will translate into you picking sorry ass men because in your mind you don't think that you are worthy of anything good because your own mother did not think that you were worthy of not being raped or exposed to rape or molested in any way, shape or form. Okay, if you had a mother that killed your dreams all the time because she never achieved her dreams, what that will make you do is give up on things easily. It will kill your drive. It will be extremely discouraging to you. Um, It will make you have low self-esteem in your relationships with men because now subconsciously you don't think that you're deserving of anything good. Okay, No matter what your specific situation is, you have to know that it's valid and you can try a few things. Um, My recommendation for most people is this. I call it the one-time rule. You can attempt to have a conversation with your mother and letting your mother know how you felt about certain things they did, how it affected you. Um, and getting it out to that parent and see how they respond they're going to either respond in a way where they want to hear what you have to say and in an apologetic way and um, in a way that is healing for you and they may also respond with playing victim or switching it around on you or even deny or even lying you can sometimes try to hold a black mom accountable and she might take it so far as to lie about something. So I would say, be ready for whatever can possibly come with it. If you do take the route of... If you do take the route of saying, I'm going to confront my mother about my trauma. Um... That you also have the option to say, listen, uh, it is what it is. What happened, happened. Um, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to be a, you know, a victim of my circumstance. And I just want to move forward. Uh, it can mean you accepting an apology that you never got. Uh, being aware of what happened and why and how it may affect you now. Uh, and moving on, uh, it can mean still maintaining a relationship with your mom, but kind of feeding her with a long handled spoon. Uh, because again, remember that our parents die before us. So you have to be sure that whatever decision that you make, um, that if and when that parent does transition, that you will be okay with whatever decision you made. If you feel like there's any way that you will be regretful if you're not in that parent's life or there for that parent in a way that you think you should be, uh, I recommend doing what you need to do to make sure your conscience is clear uh, when that time happens. I don't recommend giving up on our mothers easily, um, but... We also have to know when something is just not going to happen. If you've experienced that typical um, black mama trauma where you try to hold them accountable or bring it up, and they'll say things like, they'll call you things like ungrateful. Like you could go to your mom and be like, listen, mom, you know, you did this, this or this. And I really would like some accountability for this. I remember this. It affected me this way. And like some of them, their response will be like, you are grateful I gave birth to you. I wiped your butt and gave you clothes on your back your whole life, and this is how you act? Oh, Lord. If that happens, I would say just give up at that point. If if that's her response, I would say leave it alone. She ain't ready yet, okay? She's taking the typical route, okay? She's taking the typical route of playing dead, even though she know damn well what she did with dead at wrong. But if they're not ready to be held accountable for what they did, they're just not ready. And it is what it is. And you cannot sit around and be torn apart the rest of your life for an apology that you may never get. You can't do that. But I think that the number one issue we have on how we keep these cycles continuing without realizing it is that we just don't acknowledge it. And I understand that it's painful to acknowledge, but it's something that we just have to do. We got to do it for ourselves. We got to do it for our children. Okay, sisters, uh, we got to be realistic. I think we all just want to have a loving kumbaya relationship with our mom. But the truth is a toxic relationship with them will do more harm than simply reevaluating your relationship with your mom and making necessary changes. Um, I would My number one recommendation is to take an apology you never got. you know, be aware, move on with your life. and really all we can do what's happened is happened. What's in the past is in the past, but all we can do is make sure that we do not carry on these stigmas and these stereotypical behaviors to our future children. And that's all we can do. Dive into your past, people, male or female, dive into your past. Understanding your parents, understanding their circumstances, understanding that life happens, understanding that none of us are perfect, we're human. Is going to be a huge tool in your healing. Cut your fit parents a break. Cut yourself a break. Know that we all make mistakes. Focus on the now. Focus on growing. We got black families that we got to keep together and we have to prosper with. So we got to stay together. We have to be understanding. and We have to stay focused, family. Um, I hope that this episode resonated with at least one person out there. I hope that this episode you know i haven't gave y'all homework in a while but that is my homework to you Uh, i want you to dig into your past i want you to observe your parents observe their upbringing observe their climate let's get better understanding so we can grow so we can heal so we can continue to progress because we know the black family is the foundation of it all without that until that's right we have nothing we have zilch zero so I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, I will see you all next week at the same time. Remember, the show drops every Tuesday now. Uh, thank you all for listening, and I want to say, as always, peace, love, and Black Power. Six Goddess, what's good? This the homie Commotion from Cody Black. And yeah, man, I just want to say, you know, as you close this episode. You know that's I I appreciate what you're doing, man. Like it's really making a big difference, and um, you holding it down for the brothers and the sisters. So keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully we can collaborate soon in the near future or the far future. But all I want to say is, you know, peace, my queen. You know, keep doing what you're doing, and I'll definitely keep checking out your episodes. Again, this is the homie Commotion from Coded Black. We appreciate you. Peace. Hey, yo! this your boy C.G. over at Homage Hip Hop Poetry. Where we put appreciation in hip hop. We also want to put appreciation in a broadcasting. So without further ado, I want to give a shout out to your girl Six, the goddess. That's S-I-X, the goddess. African in America is the podcast whether you just need some strong words of encouragement or you're a mama's boy trying to become a man check your girl out that's African in America you are appreciated sixth the goddess love the show keep it going love the energy love the subject matter or topic of discussions that you discuss in your shows, I've been checking you out for a while now. I noticed your thirty show. I, I do a show every day on my on my podcast, so I know that um, it, it is time consuming. <laughs> so keep it going. Uh, I I hope to hear more of you this year. You know, didn't hear a lot of you last year, but you know, if you can, you know, do more this year, um, I definitely keep tuning in. All right, keep up the great work. Keep up. Doing your thing, my sister, and much love. I'm out. I get so round and clear. Uh by the way, I'm Gideon from Tanzania, East Africa and I like this podcast. Yeah, we we together, man. What's up, 6th and guys? This is Christian from Afrobeats. Just calling in. I'm um, listening to your podcast, um, specifically the one about relationships, being single. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that this morning. It was kind of refreshing. It was very honest and, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I'm going to tune into your podcast because I, I like your opinion and, and I'm curious of what else you have to say. So uh, thanks for the podcast and hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Peace. love this podcast. This is DJ Moultrie from the Black Equity Podcast. And just want to let you know that all your episodes are truly touching. I know that you go in uh, in a good way on the community and making sure that we are held accountable for our actions. So just wanted to say thank you for all your hard work. Keep the episodes coming weekly and uh, check out Black Equity Podcast sometime. Uh, let us know what you think. All right. Have a great day.